Playwrights, I'm Will. And I'm Sarah. This is our little podcast. About big plays. Hi, everybody. Hello. Back from, we just got back from Wichita. We did. We're feeling good. Yeah. I mean, I think this play is making me feel better than it I would you feel without be- it. better already? Yeah. You know road trips. They're kind of exhausting. They can be. Like, I'm and, pretty tired, but. Yeah, saw a lot of Saw a lot of great people this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Love seeing family. You might ask Sarah and Will, why are you always out of town? That's a great question. (laughs) Next weekend, we're going to be very firmly in Overland Park. Very. (laughs) We're standing firm. We will be at our house all weekend long, which is not happening. I refuse to leave, except to go to the Apple Orchard. Yes, which will happen. Yeah, that'll be be good. Um, I'm so excited for that. Yeah, me too. It'll be... Sarah, I'm so excited to go to the Apple Orchard. Mm. I know. It's Will's sweet idea. How cute is that? So Tell fall. Him. So fall. We love fall. Will's Let us know if you've had a pumpkin spice latte already. We got to know. Cause, yeah, I definitely got, have. I've had three have, this week. You've had three this week? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I made one for myself, um, but I haven't bought one from Starbucks yet, so I'm really excited for that one. Dude, the first one I had from Starbucks was incredible. The second one, eh, didn't live up. As well, much. the first one of the season is always the best, especially yeah. when it's like the first chilly day. Oh my gosh. It and it so, was. It was so chilly. And we're talking about the weather, and I hate us. People love when they talk about the weather <laughs> on podcasts. Because it's, like, it's like a podcast, you know, is the, on the internet forever. And so they're like listening to it a year later, and they're like, oh yeah, it was chilly that day, <laughs> that week. Do you go through that when you listen to podcasts? Sometimes. Nice. <laughs> well, no. The podcasts I listen to, they don't talk about the weather. Yeah, they're so, probably interesting podcasts. Oh, uh, yeah. Not like this one. This one sucks. No. Um, but what what play are we talking about this week? Okay, guys. Sarah. I just want to lay it out for you. I will be kind of a nightmare during this podcast because I love this play and this playwright mm, so much. Like, it's the- one of my favorite plays of all time. She is one of my favorite playwrights of all time. So I will be overbearing and excited. Okay. And passionate. And let me tell you, the hype is is deserved. Like, yeah, like it's the, real. It's really, really good. So today, we are talking about Annie Baker's The Flick. And I know what you're thinking. I know you're probably thinking, Sarah, Annie what's Baker... A mo- what's a movie theater? You know, I haven't been to a movie theater in years. Well, sure. I was just saying, she is so popular. She's a popular playwright. Yeah, among, like, oh, among Sarah, the theater world. Not very original. But you know what? I don't care because she's incredible. And I will stand by her work. I think I, because of her writing, it made me a better director and a better actor. Like mm. reading it and like creating a play. Because of I, I that's how I kind of felt directed. about. That's kind of how I feel about Lucas Nath actually with the Christians. So this is, yeah, this is interesting. See, so like they both they both came into our lives at very formative times. Yes, no, for sure. I assistant directed her play Circle Mirror Transformation, mm. and it was just like. I don't know. Her writing allows like so much conversation between the director and actor, and like you you get to pick what that moment means, and like all this stuff. And, yeah, yeah. So I'm very passionate about her. So I'm very excited to dig in. Shall we get started? Let's dig into Annie the Baker, which is actually interesting because at one point she was a cashier at a baker. I'm sure that really? point in her life she was probably like she's like I hate this. I hate. This. <laughs> well, that's funny because she because I'll talk about it a little more later, but she. Never mind. Yeah, she yeah. talks about like 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 why she wrote the flick. A right. Bit. Yeah. Okay. We'll get to that. Love. But she was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts, in April 1981. Um, I don't know. I love Massachusetts. I will go on the record. I think anyone from Massachusetts, Massachusetts is really cool. I have actually for really? a family reunion when I was mm, like maybe 13. 
But that's so funny. I went to Massachusetts for a family reunion. Oh my gosh. Were we in the same family? No. Mine Help. was in two thousand. <laughs> mine was in two thousand. Oh, mine was later. Yeah, yeah. Cape Cod. Um but I, I don't know. I think if anyone tells me, oh, I'm from Massachusetts, I automatically think, wow, you're really cool. Do you have that, like, Northeast America? I'm like, oh, you're a pretty dope human being then. Mm, I don't have that okay. as much. I definitely I think, do. I think you're, like, you're like wearing boat shoes all the time and, like, you, like, just got off your No, yacht. that's, like, Missouri Lake is boat shoes. And... Dude, they love boat shoes in Massachusetts. Yeah. All right. All right. I trust you. I don't know. Boston is also not that great a city, I've heard. Noted. Very historical. Very historical. Yes. But the people there are kind of mean. Well, good thing she grew up in Amherst, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. There we go. Where her father was an administrator for five colleges consortium, and her mother, Linda Baker, was a psychology doctoral student. So, very smart family. And her brother is an author. Are you saying that smarts run in the family? Yes. Okay. I am. I'm going on the record. Interesting take. Um, (laughs) Benjamin Baker Nugent. If that means anything, or a Nugent, I don't know. If that means anything to anyone, let us know. He's an author. So if he's your favorite author. I was just thinking of Benjamin Button. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She graduated from the Department of Dramatic Writing at New York University's Tisch School of the Arts. Uh, Another Tisch. Wait, who's the other Tisch guy? There, we've we've talked about like three different Tish wasn't, people. Wasn't uh, Raheev Joseph Tish? Yeah. Yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's one other. So Tish. Oh, yeah. Tish is pretty great. Yeah. Um, and she earned her Master's of Fine Arts degree in playwriting from Bro- Brooklyn College in 2009. Fun fact, I did talk about how she was a cashier at Baker. Yep. At a bakery. Yep. Um, But some of her other early jobs, for any Bachelor fans out there, she was a guest wrangler that helped oversee the contestants on The Bachelor for a while. Oh, weird. Um, She was a nanny, a camp counselor, a script reader, and a dorm mother for young ballerinas at the New York City's Ballet Training School. She was also a kind of writer for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? But not like a question writer, like the person who wrote all the stuff in between questions or something. Like, like, we'll be be right back with whatever. Like, somebody has to write that for, like, for what Regis Philbin would say, like when you when they would go yeah. to a commercial or like when you know so she did that for like a lot of, a long time wow yeah she said like all of those that might have been like the script reader one it might have said that too but like she says oh. all those experiences have like influenced her writing um which i we will totally talk about yeah um among her works she has a ton but some of the most interesting things so like we talked about last week on the neil simon biloxi blues episode um he had that trilogy of plays that were about his experiences in the war yeah. but like it's like a, lo- a loose trilogy right they're not direct sequels to each other exactly yeah. but they're all connected like i love when playwrights do that like august wilson does that with like his pittsburgh cycle like and so if you know theater it's almost like a secret society like ooh, yeah. i know yeah. all these plays are connected yeah. and it means something. i love the the atlanta cycle of uh, uh what is it driving miss daisy parade mm. and yeah. last night of value Yes. That's all. And those are all by? By? Oh, what's his name? Oh, I don't know. Because we're going to do Last Night at Ballyhoo one of these days. Oh, shoot. We're going to do it. Alfred Uri. Alfred Uri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, But she has one, and it's three plays, Circle Mirror Transformation. Nice. um, Body Awareness and The Aliens, which are all um, in like that take place in Shirley, Vermont, which is like a fictional small town. Oh. 
that she created in huh. Vermont and all those plays take place there. So it's kind of, I don't know, that's kind of cool. She leaves little crumbs. But um, besides those three plays, which have all won, like, Circle Mirror won an Obie Award and so did the Aliens. They actually, like, shared the uh, Obie Award that year for Best now, New American Play. Now, what is an Obie Award? An Obie Award, um, they're, like, the awards given for, like, off-Broadway theater oh, that in makes New York. Sense. Okay, got it. Yeah, so, but I just think it's funny that they couldn't decide between her two plays, so they just gave it to her for both of them that year in 2010 for the Aliens. That's and crazy. Mirror. Yeah. Those, they were like, uh, nope, they tie. So I was like, that's interesting. It's a tie. <laughs> um, that's but Nocturama is another one. She wrote an adaptation of Uncle Vanya. We love a Chekhov adaptation by oh, a I modern wanna, I want to talk about, because I think the flick is kind of the cherry orchard, but we'll get to that. I'm so loving where your head's at. Okay, great. Um, the Flick, which is what we're talking about today, it won the Pulitzer Prize in 2014 for the uh, for the drama playwright portion of the Pulitzer Prizes. Sure. Um, and it won the Obie Award and the Susan Smith Blackburn Prize, which is a prestigious playwriting award, which is the oldest and largest prize awarded to women playwrights. So go female playwrights. It's like... Very, she's very, very hard very, to attain. Very deserving of this. Yes, and she say. deserves that award. Um, John is another one that's pretty famous and came out in 2015, and The Antipods, which came out in 2017. Um, so she's still very much in the playwriting world. Oh, she's still very young. I'm yeah. so excited for she, her, what her is she next born, play. 1981? Yeah. I want to read more of her plays. I've read a few, but I want to read John, um, definitely. I like her. The two plays that I've read of hers, I like them because they're like very manageable. Like they're very produce. Like you can produce them pretty yeah. easily. Yeah. The flick has what five people maybe. Four. Four, and then yeah, Circle yeah. Mirror is four. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. done. No, yeah, Circle Mirror is five. Five. Sorry. Um, but this is how people like describe her writing, and I thought it was very on brand. So I'm gonna tell you guys. Okay. Um, Baker creates normal individuals coping with everyday issues in their small town lives. Um, it marks the arrival of a new playwright who would seem to fit the quirky bill but aims for sincerity instead. Even though there's goofiness aplenty in her work, she sticks to a straightforward narrative and simple dialogue. The writing isn't superficially clever, it's smart. So I agree where, like, she... I mean, she writes overlapping lines. She writes like people are thinking out loud. You know, they're trying to form sentences. Even yeah, when, I noticed yeah. that because you you read it out loud to me in the car today, and yeah. I did notice that. Yeah, that Where it was they like repeat. sometimes it was yeah they repeat like parts of it and like I, every once in a while I had to like okay wait who's talking now because they all talked like kind of over each other and mm-hmm. like yeah so it was but it was very realistic. Yeah, and I think it's so realistic in like how humans goof around or like how she brings like new thoughts yeah like there are so many times throughout the play i'll talk about this but like we'd be like do you have a crush on this person or do you think this person's hot and like this other person and the other person's talking about something completely different and so i am like i do that all the time like will might still be on a subject and i'll be like wait what did you think about this and then it'll just be totally deteriorating a little bit influenced by mammoth but like in her own way it's almost like mammoth and pinter like combined yeah. Uh, someone compared her to Pinter where like there's like those pauses the Pinter pause the Pinter pause where she has in her yeah. works as well yeah, that's true. but then yeah the mammoth speak of just very day to day life yeah so 
Yeah. Um, and it says, Baker, as all great playwrights do, is holding a mirror up to us all, which is very true. Mm -hmm. um, she says that she records every scene that she writes out loud and before, like, she makes edits. Um, but the handful of That's times smart. she has acted have influenced her work so much more, like, as a director than as a writer. So even though she has, like, acted in some stuff. Okay. Um, she says, like, that usually those experiences don't really help her as a writer, which I thought were interesting. That helps her more as a director. Acting? Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. like, I feel, because I agree with that wholeheartedly, but I'm not a writer at all, but I was just like, oh. So it's not how actor, you know, obviously that makes sense because actors... Well, no, I agree with you that, like, once I started directing, I was like, oh, acting makes more sense now. Mm -hmm. But then I, like, when we, like, started writing a little bit, I was like, I think teaching acting almost helped me or teaching drama i guess yeah all aspects of drama helped me become a better well i don't know every every por every portion of every part of theater helps you with every other part yeah it like, like all bleeds into each other yeah like if you're been, if you've been a lighting designer your entire life and then you're like on stage for the first time you're mm -hmm. like oh this is gonna help me be a better lighting designer yeah and that's true with a lot of things right i guess i just thought it was interesting yeah that her acting didn't help her as a writer because yeah that is I mean, as a writer I can see that though. yeah because when you're writing you're thinking of like how normal people in everyday life speak not necessarily like actors on stage how they would speak you know there's like a difference true where the actors have to adhere to the playwright's writing yes not the other way around um yeah that's true yeah so she has a lot of fellowships let me tell you this woman is like what does that mean so like uh Oh, she's like, like, never mind. Let me Go tell ahead. you. Let me tell you. Uh, she was named a MacArthur Fellow in 2017. That's probably her biggest one. Um, it's the Genius Grant. Um, it is given to individuals who have extraordinarily originality and dedication to their creative pursuits and a marked capaci capacity for self-direction. She was awarded this for mining the minutia of how we speak, act, and relate to one another and the absurdity and tragedy that result from the limitations of language. So okay. she's a genius in her field, basically, and is recognized for it. And you get money to, like, write plays. Great. So this was, like, $625,000 over the get course of, the heck I think it was here. five years. Good for her. Wow. I'm happy for her. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, nothing but the best for Annie Baker. Yeah. Um, on top of this fellowship, she has a fellow of the United States artist. She is a Gunheim. Gungenheim. Guggenheim. Guggenheim. Guggenheimer. No. no. Just no. Guggenheim. Nine. Um, yeah. <laughs> she's a Guggenheim Fellow for Creative Arts, Drama, and Performance Art. She's a Coleman Center Fellow. She's a McDonnell um, Colonial Fellow. So all of these, like, give her money to, like, keep writing her plays. But I've just never... Thank goodness. Of all of my, like, playwrights I've, like, researched, I've never, like, come across one that literally every fellowship in America is like, yeah, Annie, yeah, I'll want... give you whatever you want forever. Sure. Um and she's also part of the Signature Theater's residency five-year program, which guarantees, like, three world premieres coming out over the course of a five-year residency. And John and the Antipods were part of that. Okay. Um, Great. Yeah. Weird fun fact is in 2014, she wrote a play called The Last of the Little Hours. Not very well known. It was at Sundance Institute's 2014 Theater Lab in Utah. She directed the play herself. There's a it, theater portion of Sundance? Yeah. Apparently. That's cool. And I'm like, that's the dream. 
Sure. Um, but she directed the play herself, and it follows the daily life of a group of Benedictine monks. Get the heck out of here. It does we, not. We went to Benedictine. Will and I fell in love at Benedictine. Yeah, that's true. And we like, knew monks. modern day monks? Will? Modern day monks? Will almost became a monk. Mo- yeah, that's And true. he chose me instead. I did. <laughs> I don't know. Was it the right choice? The life of monkdom was very attractive to me. Why is that? Um, it was just like not a lot of people talk to you and like. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no, I don't know. And then now he's married. I to went like on a, a retreat. Woman who like won't stop talking. Yeah, I went on a retreat Actually, with the monks. Like it was an it was a Holy Week retreat with the monks. I mean, like we stayed at the Abbey, and so we kind of like we kind of like lived like a monk, but not really. But like we like ate breakfast with them, and they're not allowed to talk at breakfast. And I was like, oh, this is nice that you can't even you're not even allowed to talk. That at was breakfast. the reason. No, that was that was that added to it. That added to it. <laughs> Noted. I have to be. I should be silent in the morning. No talking before lunch. But I like. It. <laughs> oh my god! I'm just like sipping my coffee in peace. That's true. Which Will, I usually get to do. Which yeah, is fine. he does because so, your girl's sleeping during that time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm glad I could give you a little portion <laughs> of what you wanted out of monkdom, if that's the right word. <laughs> Uh, um, that's why I get up so early. Uh, oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> anyways, I just thought it was funny she read about Benedictine monks. Mm. So, Because I knew one of our professors in undergrad was like, I'm going to write about the daily life of Benedictine monks. That's so groundbreaking. And then to find out today, guess what? It's not. One of the most famous she already did playwrights. It. She already did it. So, suck it. Anyways. No hard feelings. Annie Baker interview. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about this interview. Um, All right. What's up? She says she's always tried to make the kind of theater that she wants to see. And although she hasn't always succeeded, it's obvious to her that if you're making a choice out of a place of fear or obedience, it's the wrong choice. She knows at times that this frustrates people, like, with her work. Okay. Like, sometimes, not in this play, because everyone is obsessed with the flick, but, like, some of her other plays, like John and the Antipods or whatever. Mm. So, some people walked out of John and the Antipod. Like, it goes to places, like, you don't expect. some. And John, I guess, there's, like, supernatural a little bit or something. Like, and, you know, it's just, it kind of annoyed people. They're like, can't you just stick to, like, more of your straightforward style that we've seen in the past? And Well, that's she's dumb like, for those people. Because right. it's like, why don't you just, like, accept what you're seeing? Like, right. Geez. I know. So I love that she writes the kind of theater that she wants to see. Like, that's something I love so much about the flick is, like, you see these conversations about, like, films and, like, celebrities and, like, is in it, like, that aspect and stuff. And it's because she also loves film and, like, she thinks that's, like, important as well. And you don't see that a lot from, like, other playwrights. She's like, I want to watch a play that, you know, goes in the subject of, like, should film be digitalized or should it be still on film, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think I love her, and yeah, that's that. And she's deserving. But in um, the interview, the same interview ha- and the same interviewer had interviewed Harold Pinter, and Pinter once said that I've never deliberately held anything back from an audience. If you don't know what's going on, then I didn't either. And the interviewer like said this quote to Baker, and Baker was like. Yeah, I'm totally a pinter on this one. So, like, if you have a question or you don't know what's going on in Annie Baker's play at some point. Yeah. She's like, yeah, me either. But, like, that's life in that moment. If it feels more chaotic, she's like, that's the point. It should hmm. feel a little more chaotic, too. Because a lot of people would just call that bad writing. Right. I don't. 
for her. Huh. I think it doesn't take place as much in the flick, but I could definitely see in like Circle Mirror. You have to kind of well. There's a lot of in Circle Mirror. There's like a lot of questions about like who these people are. Right. And with the flick, it's much less so. Yeah, it's much less. You basically get it. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of have to draw conclusions like as an audience member, which I feel like I don't know if that's bad writing. I think a lot of playwrights do that. No, but I'm saying like if you come out of a. I don't know. If you come out of like a movie, like an action movie, like confused or whatever. So you think Tenet's bad? No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I flashback to last week. No, but if like um, if like like I don't know, with like uh like if you yeah, if you can't tell what's going on in a scene, that sometimes can be just bad writing. That's true. But yeah. I don't know, she writes from such like a human perspective. Yeah, I'm we not saying We always don't Annie's know what's going writer. on in life. Yeah. yeah. So I get where she's going with it. Sure. Um, she doesn't like commercial theater. Girl, we are one. I don't like commercial theater either, really. Define commercial theater. Um, I think she's more pointing towards, like, shiny musical theater, like, pretty theater. Even, like, plays that can be more, like, not, there's no point, and we're just doing this for the mass audiences uh... to please them. Like, she doesn't like that in this medium except for hello, hello dolly. dolly she does love hello dolly who doesn't it's which the is perfect, so funny it's the perfect musical she was like i went it was one of my best like theater experiences like yeah. it was so surprising and funny and i loved it people do just describe it as the like it's the perfect musical yeah like, i've never seen it i've never seen it either and so i claim maybe we to should... know theater so i need to do that I've never seen it. I don't well i was supposed to see it at starlight how many years ago maybe 10 and then it got rained out so i try my best well, you know what? That's Starlight's fault for being an outdoor theater. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she likes theater because it's so, like, unprofitable. Like, you have the chance to make something surprising and strange. So, like, why don't you? You know? Like, it doesn't have to be commercial. That's, like, you know, there's movies for that. This ha is, like, your chance to, like, create something that's you go through, like, with an audience. You go through an experience together. So craft an experience. Don't just yeah. craft something shiny. True. Is, like, her point. If you can get it paid for. Right, for $625,000. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Like, so if, like, you're a good writer, like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know. Exactly. Sometimes, but sometimes you have to sell out. We know we have. <laughs> <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of selling out, uh, this, this episode is brought to you by White Claw. Yeah, sorry, if you're hearing, we're, we're enjoying a light beverage. Yeah. Actually, I'm just maybe enjoying a light the, beverage. Maybe, like we, the maybe speaking of selling out, we could put the ad right now. All right, thanks All right. for listening to that ad. <laughs> Sorry about that. That same right. anchor ad that you've been listening to for, you know, Weeks. months and months and months. Maybe we'll do a new one soon. Um, currently, she teaches playwriting at New York University, Barnard University, and the MFA program at Stony Brook, Southampton, while writing she teaches plays. All those, at all those schools? So probably just like a course at sure. each of those schools. Um, and then her personal life. Let me tell you, if I wasn't she, obsessed with Andy Baker We've never Baker talked right now, about a personal life. Well, yeah, we have. Oh, okay. We talked about Neil Simon's, like, five wives last week. Ah, oh, that's true. Yeah. Personal life. She's married to Nico Bomback. So her brother-in-law is Noah Bomback, who is married to Greta Gerwig. Imagine family dinner table settings. That is the dream. That's, that's the dream so, to me. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. I Okay, because I'm obsessed with Greta Gerwig. And I do love Noah Baumbach as well. And then, like, also Annie Baker. So, like, if I were to choose people to have dinner with or, like, you know, everyone always asks, like, 
oh, who's the celebrity that you would, like, dine with? I'd be like, oh, these three. And I would just go to their Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> and, yeah, they're like, already getting together. Sarah's just invited. To yeah, them. I'm inviting myself. Cool. Isn't that incredible? It's a small world, isn't it? Yeah. And you know what's funny? How are all those artists, like, so, so closely linked? I love it. And you know what's funny is that Annie Baker, like, loves film. And part of that is you see that in the flick or whatever. Definitely. Um, and Greta Gerwig just shot on film for Little Women. That was shot on film? That was shot on film. Oh, I'm going to talk about that in, yeah. in my little section. So imagine that conversation. Annie Baker's like, do it, man. I know it's more expensive, but do it. And Greta's like, dope. And then makes Little Women, which is incredible. And I was sobbing. So in a good way. Okay, great. Sorry. That is my Annie Baker portion. Thank you for joining me. Whew. <laughs> I know. Annie is great. My, my portion is going to be like a minute. So. I love it. No, no I can I, even say more, but she's incredible. No, yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah, we get it. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, like we could go for, you know, we could have an entire podcast about just people's careers. Yeah. It's like, that's, but that's not, yeah. Anyway. Um, so this place centers around, uh, this debate or not this debate, but this controversy, I guess, maybe that happened within the film industry, which is in the, uh, 2000 in the early 2000s and leading into the uh, 2010s I guess it was you know filmmakers were of course starting to use digital cameras to shoot their movies instead of 35 millimeter which you get that with 35 millimeter film you get that very very distinct look of it it looks like it's shot on film and there's like a certain sound to it there's a certain look to it and it just feels much more like a movie, right? Mm-hmm. With digital, it looks much, if you've ever seen a soap opera, right? It's almost like too smooth to look at. There's a ton of, di- everything's digital. No, I know. I know. Oh, okay. I know. But soap operas especially so, because they moved to, I think they, they must have moved to digital, or they, 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 they moved to digital sooner, or they, uh, like, uh, they did this process where it was like a much more smooth, um, picture mm. okay they had more than 24 frames per second which is what most film is shot in 24 you get 24 frames per second and so a lot of filmmakers were like no we don't want to shoot digital because it doesn't look right and it's whatever okay but then of course as you know technology advances you know the hobbit trilogy is all shot famously is all shot digitally that was one of the first mm. uh big like productions like oh like and they were like that's Peter, interesting. Peter yeah. Jackson was like showing it off. It's like, look, it's all shot digitally. That's so recent. Yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, this yeah, this transition has really been very recent. You know, you, you can. I was looking at like a a Wikipedia. You know, in my extensive research, Wikipedia. <laughs> there's like there's a there's a whole article that it's like, what are the films that were digitally shot before 2012 or something like that? And like the the Hobbit trilogy was on there. Anyway. Um, and so there are a couple holdouts, right? Quentin Tarantino says he will never shoot digitally, right? So like The Hateful Eight, and I, th- I'm guessing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood were all shot on film. Really? Okay. And now it's like a much more of a novelty, mm-hmm. right? It is because like, everybody shoots digitally, right? Mid nineties by Jonah Hill. I that's what like, I was gonna oh. say. Yeah, mid nineties is shot on film. Yeah. Very, very famously and like done very well because it's like it's like set in the nineties and so it's got that kind of nineties yeah. feel to it. Um, so it's now it's more of like a nostalgia thing. It's like, yeah, we're going to shoot on film. It's going to look a certain way, but even like 
um, I don't know, like the big filmmakers, like a Christopher Nolan, he like shoots on 35. No, sorry, he, shoot, he shoots digitally, but I think, oh, I better look this up. Can you look this up for me? Was Dunkirk shot on film? Yeah, it's shot entirely on 65 millimeter film. Okay, as yeah. As opposed to digital. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so like, so Christopher Nolan like was uh, another holdout, right? He so Dunkirk was shot on film because it's a World War II movie, and so um, it was yeah. Anyway, um, but now of course he shoots all digital, and um, anyway, so that was like, and this and this play very much centers around that. It's set in 2012. It's set in a very specific time, um, and this movie theater that these characters work at is one of a handful of film projector yeah. movie theaters they don't use a digital project projector right there's anyway, only that, one there's only one movie yeah like, it's like whatever yeah. hall or whatever and it only does film and it's one of the eight in yeah. massachusetts yeah anyway so that like is a huge thing and it's like a uh it's it's got a lot to do with the plot of the film so that's part of the reason she wrote of the this. play sorry the play this is a play a what? Where, the, where the playwrights. Is this a um, um, And another reason she wanted to write this, and so that's part of the reason she wanted to write it. Another reason she wanted to write it was uh, she liked the idea of the work family. And so this all has to do with a certain work family. Because, um, you, you, you know, you have those hourly jobs, and, like, one of the only things that makes it better is if your employees around you or the employees around you are, like, fun to hang out with. Yeah. Right? And I can definitely – speak to that because I've had a lot of yeah. weird like hourly jobs and like it's really really sucks if like you're like kind of an outcast in that or like you're the new guy or mm -hmm. whatever um and so this has to it, this is all have to, having to do with that of like she really she had she had a bunch of like our Harvey is sponsoring this episode yeah she had a bunch of like hourly jobs uh, that like the bakery and yeah. uh, who wants to be a millionaire and all the these things, the bachelor, whatever. Maybe that was. And so she, that. and so she, <laughs> yeah. So she wanted to write about that like work family environment. Yeah. Um, I can speak to that because the first time I read the flick, I was working at the Scott Museum of Art, and I felt so seen by it because that's one of my. I haven't had like a ton of hourly jobs. Like I worked more as like. A camp counselor. You weren't like, salary? Yeah, no. But, like, <laughs> you know, camp counselors are, like, different than hourly jobs. You know? I guess. Yeah, but, well, no, but, yeah, but, but it's the same you idea. you would expect that atmosphere like those summer, there. Those summer job kind of things. Yeah. Um, but at the SCAD Museum of Art, I, I truly did have these, like, people I would consider my coworkers. But we did get along, like, so great, and we had so many, like, downtime. So a lot of those, like, conversation and games that they do, like, especially the degrees of separation – like, yeah. I would play those with, like, Gaines and Claire from, like, time to time where we would, like, have just, like, the weirdest conversations because you're trying to pass, like, five hours. Yeah. You know, when yeah, no my, one comes through. Yeah, my grocery store job. Like, the only thing that, like, made me stay there was, like, I had, like, a lot of, like, not great friends. I wouldn't, like, hang out with them outside of work, but at mm -hmm. least, like, it would be really fun, like, when we would close, like, work the, like, the famous 6 to 10 shift. Like, that was great because, like, there was barely anyone in the store and like we would just like hang out you know and kind of close up casually and then i worked at a different grocery store for one you know winter break and i didn't know anyone there and it was the worst it was like so bad like i hated it so much 
And yeah. So it was the like, people really do. The people make do or make break. a difference, and so like this play is partially about, about that. that. Yeah, for sure. Um. So yeah, are we ready to get in? We're gonna yeah, break do you, down the play. Yeah. What do you think the story was, Sarah? Do Let me tell you. We're gonna do a better job at giving a summary uh, of these plays. We are. That's right. my goal. As um, always, as always, definitely read this play, and you're gonna get the fullest experience out of it if you yes. just read it. But it is a little longer, but. It's really funny, and you can find it free online. Like, literally just type in Anna Baker, the flick, PDF, script, and it's the first link. Yeah. Like it's, you can do that with almost any play, Yeah, unfortunately. Mm. We, Not did, we did it with Biloxi Blues. That's true, but that's older. Hello, okay. Everyone. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Guys, it's been only seconds for you. It's been what it feels like a lifetime for us. Yes. Um, here's, we, let, me, let us tell you what happened. Here's what happened. First... We were getting back from Wichita when we first recorded the podcast, and yep. we just were, like, so exhausted. It just wasn't fair to you guys if we kept going. So I was like, I don't think we can deliver good content <laughs> at this stage. Yeah, it was just capacity. like, I just was like, yeah, like, and like we, we recorded, you know, the summary, and we were like, eh, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. So we were going to re-record it, and so we were like, okay, we'll do it tomorrow. Yep. Um, which is last Monday. And then, so we recorded it, and we had this great podcast, this great back and forth, if I do say so myself. I had fun. I had fun, too. And um, Guess what Will happened? didn't turn the microphone on. Yeah, you know yeah. what? Always always test your microphone. Always, always test, your, test microphone your microphone. Because all that recorded was the bad computer like, yeah, yeah. So it going, sounded like which was like five feet away from us. It sounded like like the auto audio quality you get from like a Burger King toy, you know? No, like yeah, yeah, yeah. or someone taking your order. Oh yeah, but sure. quieter, but worse. Yeah, yeah. So apologies. I'm so sorry. This is coming out later than you expected. I know you're all on pins and needles. You're just like, where's my playwrights podcast? And I'm like, I know. Well, here it is. Here it is. So let let's us... get into the summary of yes. the flick. Would love for the third time. Will we should be away. experts by now? Okay. So the uh, the main action of the play it takes place in a single movie theater. Um, you have some characters. You've got it's 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 about the employees at this movie theater, and the yes. movie theater is called the Flick. There's Avery. He's our uh, main character. Mm-hmm. He's the new guy. Yep. Okay. He is probably 21-ish. Yep. He, he suffers from depression. Yes, he's got he, mental health problems. Um, went to – he dropped – or he's taking a year off of college because he's trying to, like, get his whole, like, mental state together before yep. he goes back. So, in the meantime, he's obsessed with movies. Oh, yeah. He's and obsessed it was with like, movies. I want to work at a movie theater right. to try to, like, find myself, I think. Yep. To find himself. He likes this movie theater because it is the only one – in the area that has a film projector rather yes. than a digital projector. Mm-hmm. Great. So that's the main point of the movie. And he's also African-American. Yes. Great. Then we've got Sam. Sam is about 35. Kind of, uh, you know, not a deadbeat, but, like, he's not, like, a super, he's like, a, uh, he's not, like, a, a very ambitious guy. Right. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, but he's he's quite funny and, like, charming and, like, yeah. good with people. Yeah. I think he's he doesn't like talking about his feelings ever. Yeah. You kind of um, get the idea he's just a guy who never really got his fair shot in life. Yeah. But you like him. You kind of root for him. Yeah. Like, he's a little bit of an underdog. Yeah. yeah. And then there's Then there's the Rose. The Rose. Rose. I almost forgot her name. She's about 25. <laughs> yeah. She's the projectionist. Yes. She um, 
she's one of those people who like I mean her it says in the script like her hair is green and so I don't know but I think it's like some people can pull off green hair but I think this is like Rose doing a thing you know like Rose is always doing a thing like she's always trying to be shocking she, she's always trying to be edgy yep. but like that's not she has to like work hard to pull that off where some where like some people have just like just that effort, air about them. They're just them. effortlessly yes. cool like Denzel Washington. Yeah, I would say Denzel's pretty cool. He's effortless like cool. Yeah. <laughs> I I would agree. Thank you. Christian Bale is effortlessly cool. Oh, I would disagree with that, but we don't have time to talk about that. You're right. There's too much to discuss. Um but the play begins with Avery starting at the movie theater and Sam showing him the ropes and, you know, you kind of see those, like, awkward beginnings of that, like, relationship, the awkward yeah. small talk, the, yeah, and, you know. and it really does, like, throw you back to, like, oh, yeah, my first job, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, it you're really... so unsure of yourself on the first day of work. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Everybody you else so stupid. You feel like everyone's staring at you, like, the way you sweep yeah. will be wrong. yeah. Everybody yeah. know everybody else like knows exactly what they're doing and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't know how to do anything. And it's like second nature to them and it feels like a foreign language to you. Yeah. And it is. Yeah. Almost. So Avery is struggling a little bit and feeling self conscious, but like Sam's there for him. Yeah. Um, Rose comes in and Sam, you can tell he's like already in love with Rose. Oh yeah, Sam is very But much. then tells Avery that she's a lesbian, which I think is funny. That is funny. Like, to kind of like keep him away from her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's a good strategy. <laughs> honestly, great. I believed it. Um, yeah. I mean, I never did the way um the way my girl writes. She's incredible. Annie, she'll be just so kind of like obviously awkward about it. So that sure. kind of hints like yeah, no, yeah. Um, but anyways, so you kind of you know like like when you started a new job you see like these conversations like they do the six degrees to kevin bacon um game they do yeah you see a lot of them just like building relationships with yeah, each other and goofy conversation yeah and you see that you know avery and sam like you know they're they're buddies yeah and, and they have like just like such a sweet friendship they are they're not afraid to be like hey that sucked when you did that like um I don't know. Like, one of the parts where Avery was like, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? He turns to Sam and asks him oh, that. Yeah. And Sam was like, that was one of the meanest things anyone's ever said to me. Oh, yeah. You know, like. Because he is grown up. Because he's grown and he's up. he's working on a movie theater. Um, Which, there's nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't. It's so, it was just like that immediate, like, they have this comfort level where it's like, if you hurt my feelings or if, like, yeah. why did you do this? Like, they're confrontational, but then they get over it. And I don't know. It's like nice. Sam Sam calls him out for being late and being like, you know yeah. what? Like it's okay, but like I had to do everything myself, and mm-hmm. like it was it was hard. And that was like, a very I like wish... will reaction when you're upset. He's like, look, it's fine. Yeah, look, I it's just fine. have to do everything all the time. Yeah, so. <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine. Like I'll do it. Yeah. Just don't let it happen again. Yeah. Don't get on Will's bad side. Err. Oh. Um. But the main kind of. I don't know if this would be the main conflict because, you know, it stretches over quite a vast period of time within of like a year maybe. But um, yeah, but it's it's the most it's the thing. Yeah, it's yeah. the thing that causes the climax. Yes, is dinner money. So you might be wondering, what is dinner money? And you might be wondering, do I get dinner money? Honestly, <laughs> only if you work at the flick. Sounds great. Yeah. But what is dinner money? Well, oh, dinner money is um, they 
in, in the employees at the end of the night, they go into the cash drawer and they just like skim a little bit off the top. Yeah. Right. They like kind of like fake. I don't. I don't really know how it works, but like they somehow like fake, fake out some movie tickets or yeah. something. Yeah. Or like, like they fake pretend. Sales. Yeah, they pretend it's 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 fraud. <laughs> yeah. And they and they take you know like I don't know thirty bucks or whatever out of the drawer every night. And split um, it. And split it between well, them. Well, yeah, based on how many people come in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like it's like maybe every third person they put in an extra ticket or sure. something weird. And like Rose and uh, Sam have been doing it the entire time they've been working there. It wasn't even their idea. They, yeah. They learned it from the previous employees and all so that So it's almost like an employee tradition Yeah. in a weird way. And so they, Rose and they Sam. They justify it because the owner's a real jerk. <clears throat> right. And so Rose and Sam present this idea to Avery and they're like or not idea, but they were like, Hey, this is what we do. Are you okay with it? Be and, on well, not even that, like just be on board with it. Right. Or get out. Right. And Avery was like, Nah, but you guys can keep doing it. Like I just don't feel comfortable and they're like, No, but it's weird if we're doing it and you don't. Like there has to be like a liability thing. And so Avery eventually agrees yeah. to dinner money. He does. He does. Yeah. Even though he's he he says himself, it's like, look, like if we get caught, they're gonna blame the black kid. Mm-hmm. So, because mm-hmm. that was yeah, that was another like interesting like little tie-in like Annie Baker does where when he first got hired, the he was like, I felt like the boss was already like not wanting to hire me or uh, already nervous about me because I'm black. Right. And so, and I don't know, it's just you're meeting these people and then you're meeting like what they experience like you know it's not a play about racism but it has like elements of like serious issues like racism like depression like all inhibited in these characters yeah exactly which is like really awesome because it makes it like more human and like yeah like because you're dealing with an individual rather than a vast idea sometimes that can be overwhelming yeah and like yeah exactly and you're and you're dealing with all those problems at the same time as you would in life Right. It's not like, oh, well, you know, this week we're going to worry about racism. Right. And next week we'll worry about my mental health. Right. It's like, no, you're dealing with it all at once. Yeah. So I really, I don't know, I really like that because it kind of, it really paints the picture of Avery in my head well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so they all agree to dinner money. Life goes on. Um, they have more fun conversations, more jokes. Yeah. Uh, and then one night... Sam has to leave for his brother's wedding, mm-hmm. um, who does, like, have men- a mental disability, and he tells Avery this, and, but Avery was like, ah, oh, dang, I wanted to watch a move, one of the old movies that we have on film that's up in the projection booth, like, after work. It'll be kind of fun to see it on the big screen, just like right. an old Goonies episode or something, you know? <laughs> an, I don't epi- know. an episode of the movie Goonies? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that was um, a funny example. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, "What's old?" And I think kind of goofy. Yeah. Um, so, but so Sam was like, "Dang it! Oh well, n- maybe next week." But then Rose comes in. She's like, "What's next week?" And Avery We're gonna was hang like, out. "Yeah." And then Avery's like, oh, "I just wanted to watch a movie." And and Rose is like, "Perfect. We'll do it on Friday. Just you and me." And Sam was like crushed and so upset right so sam goes away for his like brother's wedding and because then, remember sam has a big crush on rose yes flashback yeah don't we all um but then avery huh. and rose apparently avery doesn't <laughs> avery avery doesn't know what he wants you know no yeah 
So Avery and Rose, they, um, you know, they start the night off. Rose has this, she does this wild dance in front of. I would love to like see this show because Rose does this dance that is just. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. So wild and like free spirited and yeah. I don't know, incredible. I would love, I would like love to stage, be Rose. The stage director would say it. it like goes on for like two or three minutes. Yeah. Like and just she that. should be like exhausted by the end. Um. So then that happens, and Avery's feeling kind of uncomfortable, and he's just like, yeah, let's just watch the movie. Yeah. And then To once, top it all off, what happens? Once the movie begins, Avery, uh, or Rose, starts going- Making a move. Making a move on Avery with Romant- her hands. Romantically speaking. <laughs> hand check. Hand check. And guess what? Rose would not pass that hand check. No. <laughs> she would not. And Avery did not give his consent. No, he felt real weird. He about felt it the really whole time. weird. He was like frozen and didn't give in. Like she was like kissing his neck. She was getting handsy, and he was just like frozen. And then Rose kind of takes the hint, and she's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Yeah, uh, she's uh, awkward. She feels so weird, and she stops the movie. And Avery kind of breaks down. And one of the most like heartbreaking lines in the play is in this moment where he was like, "You know, this is not the first time like it's happened to me." Where like I'll be having this like life experience, you know, that's like, you know, either hooking up with someone or like sure. something you should be like more engaged in. And he's like, All I can think is like I'd rather be watching a movie. Like he'd rather he, not be living He finds so much comfort yes. in movies. Yeah, he'd rather be watching someone else have an experience than have one for himself. Yeah. And I was just I don't know, that line like always sticks with me. Yeah. Because I you know, I feel like we can, you know, you want to stay home and just, like, watch TV and, like, not go, like, experience life. I feel like I have, like, this internal struggle where I'm like, oh, but I just want to, like, be home on the couch. Or, yeah, like, what's the point of going and experiencing life? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's like, what's the point? But, you know, there's my lazy well, side and then there's, there's like, Yeah, exactly. Then it's like you kind of actively have to choose. But it's not it's not laziness for him. It's No. It's does he it doesn't even feel like he has a choice in it. It's Mm-mm. just it happens to him. Cuz he yeah, he just loves it so much and he finds it so comforting. So yeah. um and then they have this discussion which is one of another one of my favorite points where Avery's like I was, you know, um a year prior he had tried to kill himself. And so that's why he's like taking a year off of school and um he just said the reason he was so sad was because he kind of looked around and he saw just everyone constantly putting on like a facade or like doing a thing or being a certain way because they thought the, they had to the masks that we wear yeah depending on where we are and who we're with yeah and i i mean i totally get that i don't think do you feel like you've put on masks yeah <laughs> yeah but you know and I think it's it's a natural response. Like, my sister and I have had this conversation where, you know, you get around your family and you're a certain way because that's what they expect you to be. You know, and, like, we've it's talked to, about this. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, I immediately turn into a more bratty, self-centered version. And it's purely because, like, that's who I was when I was, like, 12. And then I'm around that same group of people and, like, that mask comes on. And But then with it's you and me, I'm a different... I mean, like, I, I'm fully myself. Um, but then, like, with You said that friends, like you're not, like, fully yourself. No, well, you know, intimacy. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? No, I Wait, just what mean, do you mean, like, well, 
you know, you don't hear like cheesy things, but it's true. I am uh, fully myself when I'm with you. You didn't want the audience to yes to understand be in on that, Thanks. but here we are. You're welcome. We're married. Um, we're married, and we feel like we should continue to be married. Yes. Good. And then you know you're around your friends. You have a different personality, so I kind of get that to a certain point, but I don't. Um, I think I see people for like their core. You know, like people might have more energy at like points and get more exuberant, but yeah. I I feel like once you're close to someone, you get someone who's at their core. You know, would you agree? Hopefully, I would. I uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you always want that. You know? Yeah. Um, and you can tell when people are like holding back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can I I think that's like kind of what I do is like I just hold back from yeah. like it's not like I change. I just am not like I don't know. I'm like. I'm not comfortable enough to, like, really be myself, I guess. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times. Not all the time. Yeah. No, but I... But especially, like, you were kind of talking about, like, your new job and stuff. Like, you were, like, very, like, not comfortable around the new people that you've just met. Yeah, I just started a job. So this, um, this feels very on brand for me, this play right now in my life, because, you know, I do feel incompetent, and I do act a certain... I, I, I'm very quiet at work, which... If you guys know me, I'm not a quiet person. So, but when I first am around, when I'm first learning, I do. I get quiet. I get insecure. Sure, sure. I think most there there there's very few people who aren't just like insecure around other people. Yeah. But I think like that's Avery's kind of like taking it a step further. Is that we really do like we are the people that just yeah exactly what you're saying. We're the people that people expect us to be. Yeah. And, and so and I think that's continue, why it's hard for people to change. And we're only ourselves, like, when we're only, like, by ourselves. We're only ourselves when we're by ourselves. You don't think you're yourself with me? No, that's what Avery's saying. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm myself with you. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, anyways, I just love that idea, and I don't think it's, like, talked about enough. And I, and I love how Annie brought that up. Yeah. And – how we see that embodied in Rose, that idea. Yeah. Very like. Because it really hits. It really hits her. Yes. Really hard. Because when Sam gets back, um, there's this whole thing where they kind of confess, or he confesses his feelings for her, because he's like in a bad mood about them hanging out, and she's like, "What's your deal?" He's so upset, and then he's like, "Don't you see that I'm like in love with you?" And Rose is like, "You don't even know me." Like, right. you have this idea of me, but you do not know me. And he, like, refuses to look at her. And that whole scene is just, like, so heartbreaking because you're like, wait, Sam probably doesn't know Rose. This whole time, I'm kind of, you're kind of rooting for them. And then that scene happens, and I'm like, he probably doesn't. Probably doesn't because, I mean, they've never, like, talked very much, like, outside of the movie theater. Yeah, or really They're just, out. yeah, exactly. They just talk to each other when they're cleaning up or whatever right. and like that's not like you know you can start a relationship like that but like right and so he he likes her oh i think for that's sure. very fair yeah, yeah yeah i think he likes her and are they are they like meant to be who knows yeah you know, but, but i that's... think rose is right in being like you you're not in love with me because you don't like you don't fully know like does she say like you're not in love with me does he say he's in love with her yeah, he's like, don't you get it? He's like, I fucking love you. Oh. And she was like, you don't know me. That's gotcha. her, yeah, like, yeah. immediate response. Got it. So, 
yeah, I, you know, it feels kind of cliche, like, that, the way I'm explaining it right now, it feels kind of a cliche kind of movie scene, but when you read it, and I think when you would see it, the way that Annie describes it, where Sam is, like, turned away from her, and he can't look at her, and it's not, like, this big moment, he's just, he's almost, like, ashamed. Yeah. Um, that he loves her, and so I really love that scene as well, but. What happens next in the play? (laughs) We've done this three times. I know. Um, what happens next? We so yeah. What happens next? I don't know. I mean, they, it they, just kind of dwindles. Like everyone's relationship is pretty struggling at this point. Yeah, because they, Avery broke Sam's trust because he told Rose about his brother's disability, and so yeah, it's, you know, and then the ownership of the flick changes. Yes, it does, and the whole uh, the debate a lot of the time is that Avery loves film, and everyone's like, whatever, digital's fine, and so you. You know, you, I think that's also a fun kind of idea is that this play is happening in a movie theater, which is like the eternal struggle between like movies and live theater is mm-hmm. very much addressed in this. And then also film versus like digital, you know, like keeping things, um, you know, moving forward and losing kind of some movie magic. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole debate is brought to light. So I... I kind of love that because, like you said, like at the time where Annie Baker wrote it, like that kind of whole topic was brought up. I like you yeah, can no, tell that when was movies huge... are on film still. Oh yeah, it's very clear. Yeah, and um, it's awesome. Which ones are and which ones aren't. Um, but Avery is like devastated because the theater with the new management is going to switch to digital. Switch to digital. So he's trying um, to like write in and be like, no, please no, keep the no, film. Yeah, he has a whole a, letter. Such a nerd. I love him. Um, um, but then. New manager new finds manager out. finds out about dinner money. Yeah. Blames Avery for it. Avery comes in because the boss basically says you're fired. Oh, yeah. And of he, dinner money. Yeah. And he wants, he wants Rose, Rose and, and Sam to yes. kind of own up to it. Yes. Um, and they were like, no. Nah, no, you like don't we, need this job. Yeah, we we really, need this job. Yeah, we can't get fired. Yeah. And Avery is, like, so hurt by this because he sees them, like, as his friends, as he should. And in his mind, like, he they should stick up for him. That's what friends do. And in his, every great movie, friends stick up for each other. And also in his <laughs> mind, he feels like if they all come forward, yeah, none of them will get fired. Right. Because you can't fire your whole staff. Right. So it's almost like strength in numbers. Yes. Yeah. So, but they don't go for it. And Avery is like so mad and he delivers this amazing speech. Um, oh my gosh. What movie is it from? With Samuel. Oh, oh from Jackson, Pulp Fiction. From Pulp Fiction. Oh, he recites the Ezekiel. fake. He fake, recites the fake Bible verse. Yes. And it's, I would love to watch this show for that moment as well, because it's, I think it'd be powerful. But then, yeah, so he delivers the fake Bible verse and mm-hmm. leaves. Yeah. And they're like, that was awesome. But then Sam has to train a new guy, and you see Rose and Sam in this little, yeah. almost like montage on, not montage, but in a play where it's like a silent scene. You know, they're packing up the film projector together, and yep. they, you know, they give each other an elbow, and you're like, are, oh, they, they, together? are they together? Maybe they went on a date. Maybe, Maybe. they went to Pizza Hut. Maybe they went to see a movie. Yeah. Who's to say? That would be interesting. Like if you'd if you would working would working in a movie theater ruin movies for you? Um I don't if I had 
No, I don't think so, because they're not, like, in there watching the movie. No, that's true. That's true. I would be really mad if we I had to go. should ask Joe. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, I would be really mad if um, I had to go into, a, like, the end of a movie, and I had I saw, like, the ending of it. Like, oh, yeah, for whatever, you would like, hate I that. Had, yeah, and I'd be like, well, I really wanted to see this movie, and now I know the ending. So. Will gets so mad at me if I ever ruin movies. I think that's pretty par for the course for anybody, you know? I don't know. Sometimes I, I look up, like, I, Wikipedias. I, like, I need to, like... <laughs> I just look up Wikipedias. Multiple Wikipedias. Yeah, of movies. But I need to, like, I don't know. I need to, like, follow the story, and I need to, like... If I know the ending, it's like, well, what's the point? No, you're right. You're right. For a movie you deeply care about, or, like, if I'm excited for a movie, I don't even want to watch, like, the trailers, because they always give, like, everything away. Yeah. That's why I remember, like, really, re- like, re-watching movies. I don't do that very often. I don't either, actually. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I got it. I got it. I will. I will rewatch television shows though. That's it. Yeah. See, I won't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. They take apart the film projector, and then Sam gives it to Avery at the end. And you see, I think. So he can have his own film. The projector. ending kind of sums up the energy. I don't know of this like whole piece and how it is like realism and naturalism kind of mixed together where it has kind of this the character arc of Avery is sad whereas Sam I don't know I feel like ends with a note of hope and in people and I don't know because Avery is devastated and he's just like you know what you're right you saved me a lot of trouble because like I have a hard I had a hard time trusting people and then I trusted you and Rose and you guys let me down so like now I know I shouldn't trust anyone ever but and he's at so the cold. Same, yeah, but at the same time, you know, maybe there is a little bit of hope because they could Sam could have very easily just thrown that film projector away. Yeah. But he chose to give it to Avery. No, that's so what that's, I'm thinking. Is like Sam has become like more thoughtful and like Yeah, so do you think so how do you think that impacts Avery's arc at the end? Is he um is he he walks away with the film projector and there is like a maybe one day he'll realize that like, yeah, Sam really did care about him i hope it's so. just but it I don't got know. i don't know it got too um, i don't know it was just too hard for him to, to give up his job yeah and i i think he like he does care about sam because he walks back in at the end and he does like the six degrees between those the two people one yeah. last time yeah so there is like a a nice moment of that but I do think there's a switch that like went off in Avery where he he ha- will have a very hard time trusting people. Hmm. You know, he he just or feels so matter un- of fact. Yeah, and more cold unwilling at the to end. give a, to give his trust away so easily. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So which he already was having a hard time with. Like it already took him so long to warm up to them. Yeah. So, and then you end the play ends with Sam sitting down, putting his feet up on the seats, and taking it all in. It's quite All a long that show. Beautiful film projection. But it's nope, it's a digital. very good it's a very good play. It's one of my favorites, like truly. And I think it, it has become my favorite as this is the third time we've talked through it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like, wow, this is like a really good play. <laughs> and like if you like movies more or more into like pop culture, it's like a, this play is for you. Oh yeah, it's a it's a no, oh, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> Oh, sorry. It's a play for cinephiles. A play for cinephiles, which um, sounds crazy. And also, how do you feel about my theory about um, 
that this play like is a modern day cherry orchard. I mean, I, I can okay. see it because, but I guess like Chekhov is so like his themes bleed into a lot of things. So I don't know if it's like revolutionary, but I get it. His themes bleed into a lot of things. Into a lot of plays, like their influence. Well, yeah, but know? this, I, yeah, that's true. But like this is very. Um, I think just the the dismantling of the film projector I think at that's the end cool. yeah. is just like the cutting down of the cherry orchard at the end of the cherry orchard. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, I think the only difference... obviously like the flick is a little less sad. Right, it's not like everyone's losing their home. And there's like a little and more... everyone's impacted by it. Yeah. Avery's the only one like And you feel like, kind of at the end of Cherry Orchard, you're kind of like, oh, well, you know what? I'm okay that the rich people aren't going to be that rich anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm okay that the serfs are rising up. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> How does that relate to the flick? Um, You're not okay with Avery leaving at the end. You yeah. want Avery to stay, and you're like, no. Yeah, you want go. them to still be friends. But, like, maybe, like, Avery's going to set up his own movie theater, and maybe it's going to be called The Cherry Orchard. Wouldn't would you, that be something? Would you go to a movie theater called The Cherry Orchard? Check yeah. out Cherry Orchard? Oh, my gosh. I would open a movie theater called The Cherry Orchard. Let's do it. What? Sarah. I kind of brought up what kind of genre it is, but, like, what do you think makes this play? What do you, Yeah, what genre do you think it is, and what do you think it makes it more of that genre than other plays in that genre whoa okay what are the genres that i have to choose from comedy or drama uh, no more like realism yeah okay well, what do i have to choose from realism naturalism um nightmarism what's the nightmarism surrealism 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 uh there's greek tragedy there is opera oh. there is um shakespeare there's tragic comedy What's there that? is um absurdity okay. absurdness absurd comedy uh theater of the grotesque theater of the yeah. uh, imprisoned you're doing great uh oh. theater of the what is what is that one where it's like theater of the um theater of the like oppressed and then there's like the one that makes you just feel really uncomfortable um oh yeah. Theater of the Uncomfortable, I think, is... Yeah, those are, like, come <laughs> down from surrealism. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. They're, like, subcategories. Um, I think it's Theater of the Uncomfortable. No, it's not. Okay, so basically, like, is it naturalism? Is it realism? I think, yeah, that's the that's, big question. You know, is it a rebirth of naturalism? Yes. Now, when I picture naturalism... We're taking that quote from Jay Jasky. Thank you so much thanks, for Thanks, Jay. Comment. When I think of naturalism... I think of that one play. I don't remember what it's called, but it's set in like a like a butcher shop or like a meat locker, oh and they God. turned. I guess they like made it really cold in the theater somehow, and they had like real slabs of meat hanging like on stage and stuff. And like to me, that's naturalism. Now I think this could be naturalism because you get so like you get really long scenes of them just sweeping, right? Mm -hmm. And you get them like, hey, here's a shoe that someone left. And there's no, like, larger point to that other than you need the audience needs to see the day-to-day -day relationship and, like, the day-to-day, yeah. -day, like, just, like, uh, like kind of how much the job is, like, it's, like, it's not a good job that they have, no. you know? And they don't get paid very well. Um, so you need to see that. Um, but I think this is much more it's, – it's a realism play because it 
everything's pointing towards the climax and like i think it like is structured very well um and i Mm -hmm. feel like naturalism just kind of is like more free-flowing well i think i like but having never seen a real naturalism play i can't i don't know if i can speak to that well i think i like uh jay jasky's idea of a rebirth of naturalism because naturalism when it first started out at its core was literally just like the butcher shop like people coming in ordering their meat and leaving and you're literally just watching the shop life of a butcher in like a span of an hour like that's all like naturalism was yeah where now if it's a rebirth of naturalism i think that's kind of beautiful because you're right not every scene has to have like a dramatic point dramatic like question but there can be um scenes that are just about the day-to-day life of these people you're getting to know them you're getting to know like their story together and then that will help you understand the story impacts overall so like i kind of like that it's more than like realism feels so broad to me so i like that it's like a rebirth of naturalism yeah that idea um i think fits it quite well because i mean the only thing that holds me back from like it being called naturalistic or, or naturalism yeah. is that it spans over so much time uh yeah that's true you you would usually get like a a play that like oh it takes place in an hour and that's all it is yeah you know it almost feels like it's written it would be do very well as a movie too because some of the scenes feel like jump cut to this scene and then you jump yeah scene, yeah but. it would make a really good movie yeah i agree i'm looking up something right now oh, shoot because I, I want to, there's a thing about naturalism that I want to talk about for a second because it's really, really funny. Okay, so there's this show called Nathan for You. I don't know if it's on anymore, but it was on Comedy Central. And it was about this guy who would like, he's like super awkward, and he would, but he would try to solve people's problems. And basically, whatever, long story short, he ends up helping this bar owner. And this is like a, it's like a reality show, mm-hmm. you know. He ends up helping this bar owner um, get, um, a lot to allow people to smoke in her bar again because they had outlawed it in New York City. You can't smoke in bars, and but you can smoke as part of a theatrical production. Okay. Mm. And so what he did was he just kept the bar as it is, but he would sell tickets to like three or four people to just be in like an audience in the bar, and. So they thought they were really seeing like a real production of theater, but <laughs> it was it was just it was just a regular night at the bar. And so these like three or four people would come in, they would sit in like a separate section of the bar and they would watch as if it were a theatrical production. That's amazing. And and they didn't know. Of course they didn't know that it was yeah, like yeah. fake or whatever. And the bar, the people in the bar who were just like, you know, drinking a beer or whatever, they didn't know that, right. like, who those people were. And so, and then he like interviews the people that were watching the bar scene. And they were like, yeah, it was like really, this was like really powerful. And it was like so, like, so wow. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, that's so awesome. Yeah, it's I love so that. so funny. There's a great video on YouTube if you want to check we'll it out. We'll post it on our story this well, Yeah, week. yeah. Uh, it's by the very great video essay person. His name, his YouTube name is Nerdwriter, and it's called How Nathan Fielder Undresses People. 
It's so funny. That's amazing. It's amazing. So anyway, that's naturalism. Yes. <laughs> Very so, much. That's like pure naturalism. That's pure naturalism. This where is, you go to a bar and you – it's people watching. It's people watching. Yeah. Where this is a rebirth of naturalism. Yes. I like that. It's probably a better version of naturalism because I wouldn't want to no. just sit in a bar and – but be it – think it's a theatrical production. I think I would. That's so fun. I don't know. I would I would like to be in on that experiment. I would love to – and see how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't understand that it's part of a, a comedy show. Right. Yeah. Like a then comedy. I'd be embarrassed. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, William. Yes. Would you want to be in this? Oh, my gosh. Um, ah, Is there a part for me? I mean, Not you'd have really. to grow into Sam. I'd have to Sam. grow into Sam. I would love to be in this. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, and I think it's a very, like, it's a really nice, like, um, easy show to produce. You know, it's there. there's just a few actors, and, like, I feel like um, – I think it's definitely should um, make a comeback. Yeah. Um, so yes, I would love to be in this, and by, but the only role I could play is Sam. Yeah. And so. Or the Sleeping Man. I could play slash the Sleeping the Man douche. slash Skyler. Um. How about you, Sarah? I. Yeah, I would love to play Rose, and I'm gonna age out of it in a few years. So. Well, we better like we better Move like get, we better produce this thing. I need to be in it. Um, no, I just I love it, and I think she'd be a great um, challenge. That idea, I don't know. It feels similar to like Alice and Closer. Um, yeah, she does. Which I absolutely adored playing Alice. So that's great. Would love to. Play I adored it. you as Alice. Uh, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, um, great. Well, I feel. I feel good about that conversation. <laughs> Will after every think... conversation we ever have. Do well. You... I, I felt, feel good about that. I felt good about that. Should we move on in the podcast now? I think no. we should. Um, yeah, I think we should too. Yeah. yeah. Should um, we cast? Let's cast the freaking play. Let's cast the freaking play. All right. We'll start with Sleeping Man slash Skylar. So Sleeping Man. Well, yeah, I yeah. I don't like... even think I remember. I don't think I cast anyone in this list. Oh yeah, I did. I remember. Yeah, now. I remember now. Um, okay, go ahead. This. I mean, we didn't really talk about him, even though we went pretty um, in depth with the plot, but like one of the moments that you see in their workplace they walk in on this guy sleeping and they're like hey get out and he's like oh sorry yeah um (laughs) and so and then skylar is the new guy that sam trains at the end once avery leaves that's it that's all this role is um so i chose someone i hate for it because the new guy skylar is kind of a douche to sam and so i chose lucas hedges my you do hate nemesis. Lucas Hedges, <laughs> like for for the little, the very little that he's done to you, in uh, meaning like he, you've never met him, yeah, <laughs> like he's never done anything wrong to you. I, you do hate him. I hate watching that guy. The only thing I will watch him in is Honey Boy. I don't think he's that bad. He's just like so annoying. I can't. His face. And he's got like he does, does he is have the this? Same. He's got this rivalry with Tim- Timothy Chalamet because they went to the same high school. I'm obsessed with Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. I'm in love with him. You can't so. like both. You can't apparently. You can't. Do they like each other? Are they friends? I don't think so. That's why you can't like both. I wish. Yeah, they're not like a they're not like a Thomas Middleditch Ben Schwartz kind of. No, no, not at all. What? Why would you even compare it to them? Because they're like best friends. And it's I think really you funny. just like talking about Donald <laughs> Schwartz. Yeah. That doesn't relate at all. They're friends. That's all. Okay. I was saying. Um, yeah. No, I do. I do deeply love those. Yeah. Two. <laughs> like, you like Middleton Schwartz, and you're like, yeah, I guess. I don't yeah, know. They're, 
they're pretty great. Who's your Skyler? Uh, my Skyler is a guy named Olan Pranat. He was in the show or the movie Mid Nineties. Mm-hmm. With and Lucas is in that movie. And as well. Lucas Hedges is in that as and plays a real jerk, brother. isn't yeah. he? Yeah, he's um, always the jerk. Unless you're watching I, Lady Bird, and I was like, I don't believe this guy yeah. as a nice guy at all. Yeah, I I chose him because I could see him like falling asleep in a movie. He's kind of like a he's kind of a stoner kind of yeah you know yeah that's true. I just think Skyler has it a little more put together because he worked at another movie theater. He, like, knows his stuff. He's like, yeah, I know how to do this. And he's rude about it. I don't yeah. know if Olan could be rude. Yeah, so let's do Lucas. Perfect. Okay. How about Miss Rose? Rose. Um, So for Rose, I chose Chloe Grace Moretz. What's she in? She has been in quite a few stuff, but, like, you know, she's just kind of, like, always casually around. She's just um, kind of hanging she's out. She's just kind of hanging out. Her movies include Kick-Ass, <laughs> The Miseducation of... Emily Rose? No. no. <laughs> that's the... That's the... Never mind. That's a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> the Miseducation of Cameron Post, If I Stay, Greta, Hugo, The Fifth Wave. She was in Carrie in the 2013 one. So, like... Oh, she plays Carrie. Oh... I saw that for some reason. Oh, you did? Like, yeah. And yeah. I was like, this is really dumb. Yeah. I mean, that one got pretty rough. But I think she could do it because I think I don't ever like fully. I think she's still finding herself. Okay. Like, I don't fully believe her in like roles. And maybe it would take a show like this to. Oh, so you're like willing to like give her a I'm chance. I'm willing to give her a chance and you'd on be this. Like, you know what? You know you're what? You're kind of not very good, but you know, maybe you'd be right for this. Yeah. I, I care can about Rosal. A lot, but I think it it would be a good like career finding role. Well, you know, we'll let her do it. We'll let you her know? do it. Who's your My, Mine's Joey King. I now, Joey King, do not like it, Joey King. I know you don't. She's in the act. She's in the Kissing Booth on Netflix. She's honestly um, love the Kissing she's, Booth. She's she's putting hated t- the act. <laughs> the act is the ultimate like cringe, oh but gosh. not funny kind of yes. in a way. It's it's very hard to watch. I can't believe we ended up watching all we of it. We watched it. We watched all of it, and it feels like almost like poorly produced. I don't even know. I don't know how it filmed won in awards. Savannah. I know, but like I don't know how it won awards. Like I really didn't like it. it no, was, it was not like our style. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. Anyways, but Joey King. She's putting together a nice little career for herself. She though. is. She she's is. getting her name out there. Yeah. I'll tell you what, she has a TikTok and everything. Well, that's how you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, who should we cast? I like Chloe Grace a little bit okay. more. Let's take a chance on Chloe. Let's take a chance. We'll give it to her. You know, we'll help her help her out with her career. Yeah. Okay. Avery. Yep. Avery. I've got Justice Smith from Pokemon Detective Pikachu. He's a great actor. Yeah. He, he's gonna he's gonna do well for himself. Yeah. He's and it will he's pretty to. stellar. I liked him way better than that Wolf. I'll tell you what. Um, I chose Deron Horton. Who is a SCAD grad. From, from Horton Here, Here's a Hue? Who? What? Horton Here's a Hue. Yes. <laughs> is that blue? Is that red? I am listening for an orange. Is it Hugh Grant? <laughs> oh, like Hue, like H-U-E. Yeah. What Hue of... Can you hear the Hue? Can you... <laughs> Horton Here's a Hue. Which color, children? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's pretty cool. I'm sorry. I don't know who I am. Um, No, Deron Horton is in Dear White People. Okay. Um, He's like the nerdy 
guy. He was in, <clears throat> oh my gosh, what's that freaky show? American Horror Story? Yes, 1989, the newer one. Oh, really? He's like a star in that. Nice. Yeah, but he's a SCAD grad. Um, gotta give the, gotta support those SCAD grads. I guess. Well, honestly, if we're supporting SCAD grad, support me. I'm just kidding. You're I supporting could. yourself. Sure. We'll cast you as Rose. No, Chloe needs this more than uh, I do. Yeah, she is. Yeah, <laughs> she, ever since Carrie. Oh, my gosh. Um, but, okay, who do we choose? I actually like Justice more like as a Justice human being. Too. So let's choose him. Okay. I would like to see that. I would, too. Um, I, like, want to see, like, the other Jurassic World movies because he's in it. But, like, yeah. apparently he's not in it that much. I don't really know. I haven't seen any Jurassic World movies ever. The first one is just, it's whatever, you know? Like, yeah. it's pretty. It looks really pretty. It looks very nice. That's Chris Pratt is, you're supposed to believe he's like uh, kind of a no-nonsense kind of animal guy. I hate that. Where you're like, he's not, not no-nonsense. He's such a I goof. think he's miscast in that. Also, I think he's kind of a bad person. Fame changed him. Maybe. I'm going to go on, I'm gonna go on the record. Sure. I just like never, I can, I can never buy it when Chris Pratt's trying to be serious. Yeah. It's just like, mm. He, they, to... It's clear they wanted him as like a very like kind of like an Indiana Jones type. Yeah. In it, and you're like, no, you're not Harrison Ford. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Harrison Ford can be such a jerk on screen, and I'm like, I'm still in oh, love yeah. with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I love that. That's, um, that's, that's how we that's feel our... about Jurassic World. And Chris Pratt. Uh, but let's wondering. jump into our Sam. Sam, and now this was such a. I so I feel so bad. We. This was such a great moment. This is a great moment in playwright history because Be- Will and I cast the same person. The same person. And we and we like had a suspicion that we would cast the same person. Yeah. And so we did like three, two, one. This we said the same person. It was great. It was great. This person is three. The, oh. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Three, Wait. two, one. Bill, Bill Hader. Hader. He's the only one he's you can. The he's, one. The, he's the obvious choice. He's a little older, but you know what? Whatever. It only like by like five years. He would be so tall next to Chloe Grace Moretz. Yeah, it'd but be wild. It's okay that Ju- Justice Smith, I think, is pretty tall too. So. Yeah. But Bill Hader's like, I love him. I'm obsessed. I will watch him in anything. Barry. I think he's spectacular. Ugh. Any SNL, I'll go back and watch them all. I don't even like SNL that much, but if he's on it. Yeah. Yeah. Watch it, but yeah, Barry's incredible, and I love listening to him talk. He's so intelligent. Like yeah. we listen to him on a podcast with another Park and Parks and Rec, Ron Swanson. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I loved that podcast. That it was, was good. so good. Um, but yeah, so I feel good about our Sam, and I feel good about our cast. I do too. Yeah, it's one of the best. Yep. Um. Okay. Great. All Let's right. move on to. What are you watching? What are you listening to? Oh gosh, William. What are? What am I watching? Well, oh, can I talk about our, the movie that we watched? Yes, yes. Okay. This is something we both watched. Yeah. So we watched uh, a couple nights ago. We watched Devil All the Time, which is a new movie on Netflix, um, with uh, with Spider Man and Edward Skarsgård <laughs> and Edward from Twilight and Eliza Scanlon, so who was in Little Women as Beth. There's a lot of crossover in this because it's the it's the, it's the scars guard who played um it from it yes pennywise um so a lot of pop culture crossover but no it was really it was flick. <laughs> i yeah i i liked it okay um is it a flaw it's not a perfect movie um no. but i think 
you know, it's... Did it keep me on the edge of my seat? Was my heart pounding? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I was, like, tense. You know when you're... I'm, like, like a, in it if I'm, like, mm, tense during yeah. it. And it's, like, nice because it's a free, basically free, if you're already paying for Netflix, new movie mm-hmm. with an all-star cast. Yeah. You know? And, and it's, you like, pretty good. It was definitely... Some scenes were overwritten while other scenes were, like, underwritten. Yeah. And um, they jump time or, like – and then they had a narrator that is kind of annoying that gives things away where you're like, ah, I don't know. You could have saved this yeah. for another time. I feel like they need a director's cut of it. Yes. Because I think, like, a slightly different cut would help it a little bit. Well, like it had the same director, same producer, same narrator, and I think he was just too close to it all. <laughs> I think he needed The another. narrator was the director? I think so. I think the narrator was the author of the book. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. But I'm just saying director, producer, with yeah. the author of the book. I feel like everyone was kind of too close, and they needed one other person to just watch it and be like, okay, you can take this out. Yeah, we need an alternate cut to this. Yeah. Because I think there is, like, a good movie in there. Like, yes. a, like, a much better movie in there. Yeah, but Robert Pattinson was incredible, as was Eliza and Skarsgård. Like, they were really – they made this movie great for me to experience, like – until Tom Holland came on, I was like, all right. Yeah. Um, I, I was just so proud of him. You know, he, there's the first thing outside of Spider-Man. And I love him as Is Spider-Man. It I think so. He was in that one with Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh. The, the, the current war. Oh, okay. I mean, I guess. But it's like his first, like, really lead yeah. role. Because he, I don't know, he'll even, he posted on Instagram and he was like, this is... A, like a life-changing like kind of role yeah. for me and i'm glad i got to share it with you yeah, know it's very like, different from everything else he's done so i guess he has been in other movies but for me this is the first one <laughs> sure sure I, I actually that's true i've never seen him in anything outside of spider-man so. yeah so i was proud um but great no so i i suggested if you have netflix you should watch it it's a fun fall movie and it's back it's like old and i would not describe it as fun but I think it's, it's a good fun. it's a good it's a good time. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to talk about a podcast I'm listening to. Okay. If you're an Office fan, this was recommended by Sam Smeltzer to me. Um, but if you're an Office fan, listen to an oral history of The Office because I think it's so it's so interesting because it just talks about the whole production process. And it's like very like educational and historical. It's not necessarily like funny, but it walks you through like exactly the steps they had to take to like make it to the network to make it mm. to their second season and i think it's just you know if you love the office it's everyone you know steve carell's on it john krasinski um but then it has like greg daniels and um a bunch of like the showrunners or like the makeup artists or like everyone kind of has a say and you see how like you know the super funny show has like such a mind and a brain like behind it you know like even the makeup artist is like we had to make them look like natural people working you know like so everyone has a thought and everyone had to be like on the same page and you get to hear everyone on the same page in their own different avenues. So cool. I really like it. And I, I'm looking forward to the next episode. I haven't finished it yet. It's only eight episodes long. Nice. But I like those limited podcasts. Yes. I'm a huge about fan. A, a, <laughs> Not like us. We're unlimited. <laughs> Edition. Um, great. Will, do you feel hot today? Mm. Not really. Not particularly. Okay. I think you're hot today. Thanks, babe. All right. Thanks. How do you feel? Do you feel hot today? I do feel hot today. Why? 
Will and I are going to go to Weston and go to an apple orchard and shoot on film for the first time on a camera. And I picked out a stellar outfit. So I feel hot. Great. Good for you. I'm excited. Yeah. You look great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> um, okay. What's your crush? What's my crush? What's your crush? What's my crush? My crush is good times with great friends. Wow. <laughs> Last night, Will and I had a Profound. party with some very old friends of ours, of mine, actually. It's more COIT people. But I had such a fun time, and I have not laughed so hard in so long. For, And it was just... It was just really great. It's lovely. So that's my crush. Jeez. I had such a good time. I'm so glad. Like the best time. I'm so glad. Yeah. Who's my crush, crush. My crush is uh, we had school canceled on Friday. That was fun. That's a great crush. That was a great crush. I was like, that was a great surprise. Yeah. Um, not for a great reason, but you know, it was. Yeah, unexpected. Sad, but yeah. So great. Um, yeah. And then, uh, are you mad at me? I mean. No, I'm not mad at you. I'm not convinced by that. No, I was like, all I was going to say would be like, ah, well, this is a recording You're this podcast again. I will never get over it. Time. Yeah, we've, yeah, we've really done this one to death. Yes, but no, I'm not mad at you. Oh, thanks. Are you mad at me? I'm not. I'm so glad. Yeah. Awesome. I like recording podcasts with you. That's why I keep messing it up. <laughs> so we can just yeah. keep doing it. Yeah. Um, next week, we're going to have a very special guest. Oh, yeah. It is my dear brother and avid listener, Samuel Sam, Andrew Smeltzer. Sam Smeltzer. Um, he is amazing. We are 14 months apart. He is one of my bestest friends, and I'm so excited. Me too. He's yeah, gonna be a he's going to be really great. It's his dream a, to be like a host of There's a lot so. of like expectations on this, Sam. So yes. you better deliver. Yes. Just kidding. Um, We'll release the play later this week, but we are so excited. Thank you guys so much for bearing with us and for waiting for this episode. I hope it did not disappoint. Um, we love you, and thank you so much for listening. Yeah, yeah, and ever, please leave us a message. You, yeah, yeah, leave us a message, email us, whatever. Find us on Instagram. We're at the DM Playwrights. Us. Slide, slide into, into our Slide DMs. into those DMs. Leave us a voice message on Anchor, um, and we'll see you next time. We love you, and good night.